0: This, this,
1: this, this is mythical.
0: This Ear Biscuit is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio.
1: For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, go to squarespace.com and use our offer code,
0: r and L R A N D L. Now, Squarespace is well-known for being incredibly easy to use. I mean, that's kind of the whole point. It makes a great-looking website, but it's incredibly easy to use. You don't have to know HTML. You don't have to know all this stuff. You just go on there. I don't,
1: and even, you... know. I, I don't even know what HTML I stands for. I don't want to know what it
0: stands for. I didn't know it existed. But it could be the case that at some point during the process, you do need some help. You do need, need some support. They have a customer care, t- uh, customer care team that's available twenty. Four hours a day, seven days a week. If you didn't know Link, that's every single hour in the week. Like so there is not an hour. I, this that they're is not like there. one guy. No, this is a hundred people.
1: No, it's one guy who just never sleeps. He has the gift. His name is Ralph.
0: Okay. Maybe that's Ralph. Yeah. No, I think this is a hundred people who work for Squarespace in any given time. Some of them are there to answer your questions. And I gotta be honest with you, this is important to me because I just this week, not kidding you, had an issue. With support with a service that with, I use with Squarespace. No, not with Squarespace. With another service that I use. Well, then and why are you? What other service? It was the service that I used to pay my homeowners dues. So why were you calling Squarespace? I wasn't calling Squarespace. <laughs> I was calling this other service that takes care of my homeowners dues, and they weren't there because they were like, "We're sorry, the customer care team is sleeping now, jerk." You know, that's how I felt when I heard the voicemail. They, they were like, "We're not didn't here. have a Ralph. No. That's not going to happen with Squarespace. They're going to be there when you call.
1: And that, you know, that's good because, you know, when you're building a website, sometimes you just need to talk to somebody. <laughs> True. Hey, what does HTML stand for? I know I'm, I don't have to know how don't to use have to it, but I'm just asking, you right. know.
0: but you can start a free trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. But when you do dis- uh, decide to sign up, we think you will, Make sure you use the offer code R-N-L, that's R-A-N-D-L. You'll get 10% off your first purchase, and it's a really good way to support Ear Biscuits.
1: And do not use their helpline as a dating service or for audio companionship. Use us for that here at Ear Biscuits. Let's make another one.
0: Welcome to Ear Biscuits.
1: I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. It's time for another conversation with someone interesting from the
0: internet. That, or not. What? Well, I mean, the, don't sell us that short. I mean, what I was going to say, this week, that interesting person is you, Link. Oh, <laughs> and you, Rhett. And me. Us. Okay,
1: guys, Here, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're just going to interview each other. That's what Rhett and I have decided. We're <laughs> going to interview each other. This is an experimental, fresh out, out of the out-of-the-box thinking type of Ear Biscuit here. Um, hopefully, I I believe that this is going to be a wild ride of in-depth conversation between the two of us. Right, okay, so... Involving some Twitter questions as well.
0: Yeah, I, I think the thing that we have discovered about Ear Biscuits is that it's been fascinating getting to know uh, all the people that we've talked to and we just have a feeling that because there is, or are, two of us... There is two of us. There is two of us. We are going to take advantage of the fact that there is two of us, and we're going to talk to each other, because I'm kind of operating on the premise that we know each other incredibly well, and we have discussed a lot together. We've also, incidentally, discussed a lot on the internet. People know a lot about our lives, but... with you. But... I still believe there is quite a bit that I don't know about you and that you don't know about me. And maybe things that need to be rehashed. And I don't mean like, let's go back and, you know, open up old wounds or maybe, I don't know, maybe that will happen.
1: Dig up the buried hatchet? No, I don't think that will happen. Um, But maybe you're saying that, is there a challenge here that we'll see if we can learn something new about each other while the audience... Members out there. Yeah, that's where learn, I think. Learn the, about us and the intimacies of I our workings. I think that's the way the, the magic
0: is going to happen. I'm not kidding because I, I, we thought about okay, well, we sure. we, we wanted to do a, a semi regular episode of Ear Biscuits where we talk to each other. So I will say at the beginning, uh, depending on how this goes, how we feel about it, and how you feel about it, uh, we're going to do it again if everyone agrees that this is something worth doing. So you so can let, let us know.
1: Yeah, let us know on uh, Twitter, uh, hashtag Ear Biscuits. But we're not changing the course of Ear Biscuits. I, I, no, no, I, no. I do want to clarify that. We have that. a lot
0: of amazing guests lined up and that's gonna keep happening on, that will be the vast majority of what Ear Biscuits is all about. Right,
1: so every now and again, we just wanna, if, if this is something fun, this is something that works for everybody, maybe we'll bring it back. Uh, so once a month or every so often, I don't know. We're not committing, but, and the last thing I'll say before we dive in and starting to interview each other is you just yawned. I'm just going to pull a Glozell. I'm you're, calling you out. You're,
0: I'm already bored with you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what is up with that? Don't do that, man. It hasn't been that long of a day. Um, I love my job. Hmm. I love what I do. Hmm. And one of the, I mean, It's a privilege to be able to just dream up things and do it and to have you listen to us and enjoy hanging out with us. I mean, I'm sincerely thankful for that. Uh, One of my favorite parts of the job that I think is highlighted here in this exercise here Mm. is we get to try new things. It's, you know, the analogy of just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. And I think this is just another example of that. It's energizing from a creative standpoint to try new things and just to see what happens. I mean, th- that's the key to success and maintaining relevance in in the world of entertainment anyway. I mean, for us to be as successful as they have been, and I, I feel like it's trying to keep your head above water and maintain relevance, and you just have to try new things and see what, what works. So... That's exciting to me. It's energizing, doing I'm not, the
0: same thing I'm not doing, to get old. I'm not doing this to be successful, Link. I'm doing this because I care about you. <laughs> I want, did it sound like I was saying doing it to be successful? I mean, no. I mean, people might think that, though.
1: What I, Well, what I'm trying to say you're is just saying it,
0: you're it's a of, it's a creative endeavor to t- try trying new trying things to innovate. and see what works. Trying to innovate. And I'm just saying that I th- it, originally when we were like, well, let's do, let's do an ear biscuit where we just talk to each other. At first I was like, let's just shoot the breeze, you know? Let's just do it when we talk and see where the conversation goes. But then it hit us, it's like, no, the tone of this show is inquisitive, right? It isn't just two guys building on ridiculous ideas like we do every day on Mythical Morning. It's inquisitive. It's like, there's things that... And personal. It's personal and it's inquisitive, and that's what we're going to do. So what we have done is we wanted to, when we do a show like this, a special edition of a Retin Link-only Ear Biscuit, we want to make it themed. So... Uh, we decided that let's just talk about childhood. Okay, now we've done this thing where we talk about people's childhood and their career and all this stuff. Maybe we'll get to all those things with us, but we wanted to start with childhood. So we've come up with some questions for one another, but we also prompted our Twitter followers, Link did this and I did this earlier. We said, hey, do you have any questions for the other that you want us to ask one another? And uh, so we have a collection of questions that we've come up with and a a collection of questions that you have come up with. And we're just gonna go back and forth and see where this goes.
1: Yeah, us, us. We've never interviewed each other. I've asked you questions. Yeah, I've asked in you, life. I've been like, where you want to go for lunch? Yeah, kind of questions
0: that you did that today, and we went to that uh, place. I got huevos rancheros. It was we went very to the, good. We went to that place. I still taste it. Okay, um, is that your first question? No,
1: because <laughs> l- lunch is over. It's can it's, you still uh,
0: taste what you ate for lunch?
1: See, <laughs> <laughs> si, I can. I cannot. Um, I think this is a good place to start. We're gonna, I mean, this is not my question. This is from Bob Saget Has Swag on Twitter. Oh, I thought that was Bob Sage.
0: It has swag. Uh,
1: tell the story of how you became Blood Brothers. Um. Not really a question, but we'll go with it anyway. Would you please tell us the story? What if I added that? It would <clears> be polite. Um, okay, so... The story of us becoming blood brothers, I, I think we may have mentioned it in places, but I don't know that we've ever fully unpacked the true story of
0: the blood oath pact. Which, that, re- it really happened. That we really made uh, in high school, so... And it has been uh, catalogued or uh, uh, represented in our documentary that we made uh, years ago called Looking for Miss Locklear where we kind of tell the story about the blood oath that we made. And in the movie, we reenact that and we... Or we, we say we went back actually, to the same place.
1: No, we talked about how we went to the rock. To well, the rock, uh, right. yeah, yeah, we yeah, didn't yeah, talk yeah. about the blood we oath. We didn't say the blood oath, we might
0: have, I don't know where we talked about
1: it. We talk about things all over the place, but this is gonna be the definitive place to tell this story now. Right. Um... I really think it starts with the cow pasture, don't you? I mean, that's the location of the blood oath, so I think that's the starting point.
0: Yeah, so we, we, we grew up at Buies Creek, North Carolina, near uh, a country club, not in the country club. We weren't those kinds of people, so don't judge us. We were outside of the country club, very near to a place called Keith Hills. So right. this is a golf course.
1: Yeah, a, an 18-hole at the time, golf course. Right. And what hole was it that was on the... F- like the far edge of the golf course hole 3 it was hole, hole number two. it was hole
0: number 6 oh it was hole number 6 which is now uh it's they changed the back nine and the front nine so it's whatever that would be it's the 6 hole of the back nine so i guess that would be hole number 16 i've never played golf i'm glad i'm honored that you're asking me uh, hole number fifteen. So you're like asking me math
1: plus golf, and my mind is blown. It
0: was hole number six, and I'm just telling you this because it's the old number six. And if you have, if you happen to live in the area, if you go down there, and it's a par four that goes up a hill, and then to the right there's a creek, and across the creek there is a cow pasture that was constantly filled with cattle. And this was more attractive to us. Not that we were attracted to cows. (laughs) I mean, we did grow up in Bowie's Creek, but that's not what I mean. (laughs) We were more attracted to the cow pasture than we were to the golf course, especially Link.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. That's true. So what we would do is we would, um, after school... I mean, we had to been like sixteen years old because you would we would drive our cars. I know we would ride our bikes. We might have been fourteen or fifteen when we started doing this, but we would go out to the cow pasture.
0: No, it was a middle. We started in middle school because Ben Greenwood was the one who came up with the idea, and we were really active with Ben in in, in, all throughout uh, elementary school and especially middle school.
1: So our favorite hobby was to go across the golf course, across the stream, into the cow
0: pasture, and chase the cows. Uh, It just a you just called Buies Creek a stream, just so you know. That was Buies Creek. That was the creek of oh, Buies. Really? You called it the stream. I did. I did not. I, I never I'm, knew that. I'm per, you didn't know that until right now. I've already learned something. I didn't know that was Buies Creek. That Wait. was Buies Creek. Wow. It ran behind my house, and then it kept going all the way through Keith Hills, and then. Oh, so nothing is more exhilarating
1: in the town of Buies Creek than having a herd of cattle flee your presence, and it's just exhilarating to. Uh, do that until the farmer shows up and chases you off, but there was a pond there that the cows would get in, and around the pond, there were some rocks, one of which was a very big rock within, I- I'm talking, it was probably a five-foot-tall boulder.
0: It was big. It was it was obviously a rock that had been dug up out of the ground. You know those farm ponds that are completely rectangular, and they have two hills of dirt on each side of them, because man, man they just dug it out with a big tractor. So this
1: big rock comes out and a little rock beside it. And for some reason, we and this is what we talked about in, in the intro to the film, was we devised this plan where we would just have these long, drawn-out conversations after we were, when we were resting from chasing the cows, we would sit down on the rock and we came up with this system that whoever was sitting on the big rock would have the floor to talk. And then the other person would sit on the small rock and listen and could only ask questions to keep the conversation going. We need that here on Ear Biscuits. It was very much
0: a bigger chair and a littler
1: chair. It was very much like an Ear Biscuit, wasn't it? Well, it was. It was kind of like this. And then after a while, we would you would have your time and then you would trade spaces and the person would sit on the big rock and they would have the
0: floor to dictate the conversation. And I want to be clear here that our conversations, I I don't remember a a whole lot of details, but that is what we're going to kind of talk about is what we ended up talking about. Our conversations were uh, probably, if we were to go back and listen to them now, we we would laugh at the what we thought, how we thought, the things that we said to each other, but we weren't just talking about what it was like to be in middle school. We were talking about the future. We were we cer- always w- talked about the future. We were
1: certainly talking about girls at times. Um, we would talk about what you would imagine that kids would talk about. Look at that big cow. What? If, but we would talk there was about things a lot like of that. Yeah. What, if, what if that cow could fly? Would you ride it? You know, what if, what if I, I don't know? Just stupid,
0: stuff. very amateur middle school, uh, you know, philosophical questions. But the thing that strikes me but is we that- we were
1: very future oriented as
0: well. Yeah, we we would talk about dreams, what it was that we wanted to do, and and I, and I, I want to be clear here that you know we grew up in Bowie's Creek, which was an amazing place to grow up, but it was not the kind of place that you just naturally. Uh, you didn't think about careers in entertainment or comedy. You didn't know anybody who did that kind of thing. So there wasn't any real sense that that was going to happen. But we decided one day that we started talking more about we wanted to do something, just this big uh, something that we didn't know what it was, but we wanted to do it together. Right. When we grew up.
1: We wanted to, yeah, and... um First of all, I'm sure this whole future orientation is something that knowing you and knowing myself better now, I can pretty much bet that this, that whole future bend is something that came from your mind because you just were always, that's how you think. Whereas the whole system of who was talking when and how we how we talk. You came up with that. You could, the rules <laughs> of analyzing questions, I'm sure that was probably my idea. I can't remember, but just the way that our brains work differently uh, I could see how that would come together, but yeah, we would t- we would talk about what what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? We're gonna and it wasn't we didn't talk about entertainment at first. I think we did. We certainly knew we liked to entertain and show off and and take advantage of any audience that we could find. But the I but we can't but we had the idea to do the blood oath without saying okay, we're definitely going to be filmmakers. It was. Let's make a blood oath that we're gonna we're gonna be teammates in creating something. We're gonna be like business partners in whatever we do that like, yeah, we're friends now, but we we have a sense that we're gonna we're gonna like make something big. I don't know what it is, but we should probably write it down. Right. And then
0: well, if you're gonna write it down, we should probably cut ourselves and sign it in blood. I mean. And that's what we did. We took two sheets of paper out there. We wrote down, we wrote something that was, I mean, unfortunately, I'll go ahead and tell you, uh, we don't have these sheets of paper anymore. As sad as that is, and in fact, Link is the one that would, st- I, I lose everything, or I used to lose everything. You'd lose things more now than I do now, but back in those days, you collected everything, right? Oh, but yeah. But you don't have the, the paper, but I can attest to you that it, it, it did exist at one point, point. and we wrote something that was like, we're gonna do something awesome, and we're gonna do that something awesome together. Now let's cut ourselves. And do you remember how we cut ourselves? I think it was like a shard of glass that was like laying in. Yeah, the, it was like a it was like a sharp piece of glass. In the dirt. Yeah, yeah. It was this is not advised, by the way. And we cut our palms. Yeah, you should cut your if you're
1: gonna do a blood oath, you should cut like prick the end of your finger. Why? Yeah. Well, why cut your freaking? Well I've palm? Ast- I've
0: established that we were misguided. But
1: <clears throat> <clears throat> and we, I kept that thing in my wallet for, for like two and a half years. Yeah. And then I lost the whole wallet. That's the problem. (laughs) Oh, oh,
0: that's what happened with you. I lost the whole wallet. Yeah, yeah. I just went home and probably set it down, and then you know my mom threw it away. But it meant a lot. (laughs) It meant the idea. It it meant a lot. The idea. I was definitely committed to the idea. Uh, Yeah. So that that was the question from uh, Bob. Bob Saget has swag. That that's the story. So I guess from that point on, it wasn't necessarily something that we talked a lot about. But there was always this guiding principle that was... Well, it's in blood. Yeah, know, You know, yeah. you well, know we, we don't have to talk about it all the time to know that it's going to happen. Yeah, we, 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 we've got we've to gotta stay committed to this amorphous idea mm-hmm. that we're going to do something together. Something big. The word big was definitely in it. Now, here, here, Are you
1: going to ask me a question now? Yeah, do you yeah, want
0: to go first? I'm going to... Yeah, I am going to move uh, there, there's another question that I think is 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 good for for the both of us to discuss kind of like that, but I want to move this into a more one-on-one. Okay. Place. Um it's a little weird. Yeah, this is going to be strange. Go, I go for I it. like it though. <laughs> um Now, when we first met, we met in first grade. I moved from North Carolina. To, I mean, I moved from California to North Carolina and I met you at the time. You were at Bowie's Creek Elementary School. Do you think I forgot? You know, you, just, just for the benefit this of is the for every, everyone listening. And uh, we met on that first day, and, you know, there's a movie about that. <laughs> um, but you were living with your mom and your stepdad, Jimmy, mm-hmm. at the time, right? Which was in Buies Creek. Now- Jimmy Caps. Before that, where did you live? I've ne- I don't know this. Before you moved in with Jimmy, where'd you live?
1: My mom and dad split up when I was two years old. And where were they? I don't remember, I was two. They were I do remember. Well, I know, I don't remember. Uh, my dad was a farmer at the time, like a tobacco farmer, in Boone Trail, uh, which is like, I mean, you know, you le- between Lillington and Sanford, there's like nothing out there except fields, and uh, you know, some of those were my dad's.
0: And then a trail to and, Boone.
1: Yeah, I guess so. And there's, um, so that's where I was born. And... So but uh, my I mean my first memories are m- my mom got remarried to Jimmy and um they were fr- they were like friends from like high school and mm-hmm. yeah so they had known each other for years and then they had both went through a divorce and then I think rebounded they both had they were in the rebound marriage together they're not together now when i was 13 they got divorced but my my first memories are in that house that where you met me uh, with Jimmy and my my the, the, the house in
0: Buies Creek, with Emmy, his, Emmy, his daughter. So, but where? But your mom. Okay, so you were in Boone Trail, and I, I
1: remember. I guess I remember the house that I was like born in, where my mom and dad lived. I'm pretty sure. Sh- and then where did sure where did your
0: mom live? My dad after still lived the, there. after the divorce from your dad. I'll explain why I'm asking this in a second. Um,
1: um I think that she moved into a trailer in my in her parents' like. Next door Andrew. to her parents, yeah, in and Andrew, in and
0: Andrew. I asked. Why? I asked this because I've never thought about this. Yeah, it's this is pretty. This is kind of crazy to think about too. Um, I know why I was in Bowie's Creek. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I came to Bowie's Creek because mm-hmm. my dad got a job at Campbell Law School teaching law, still teaches law at Campbell Law School until this day. Um. And that's why we moved from Thousand Oaks, California to Buies Creek, North Carolina. And I never really th- thought about the fact that like, you were in Buies Creek because your mom married a guy who lived in Buies Creek. Yeah, Jimmy had a house. And that was, and, and I just want to point out that that was, that was the seminal moment. You know, if, if your mom had been like, you know, let's just stay here in Boone Trail or I'm gonna stay in Andrew, or she had not had a romantic connection with her former high school classmate, Jimmy mm-hmm. Caps. You would have never been at Bowie's Creek School. Because I always wonder, I was like, what? I, I didn't know why your mom was in Bowie's Creek, you know, because it was, uh, or why Jimmy was there. Because all of my family is in Lillington, Other, other Sam- places. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: No family, I mean, uh, within 15 minutes. And so we
0: can uh, thank Jimmy Capps for this. There would have been no blood oath if there hadn't been a Jimmy Capps. We should call him right now.
1: I don't have his number. Okay. I mean, I remember the number that when I lived there.
0: It's probably the same number.
1: Okay, well, I'll just put it out there and then anyone can call it if they want to. (laughs) Do you remember the number? My first phone number where we were friends?
0: This is a really good question. Because can you remember a phone number? well no, but do you No, but I, I think this is something that younger people today will not will not uh, understand. We knew everyone's phone number, like I remember Leslie people's phone number, my oh, you all, know, the, all the girlfriends my first girlfriend. And your close first.
1: now there was a speed dial, but yeah, you had to basically
0: know everybody's phone number because you had to punch it in. You couldn't pull it up on some smart device okay, I'm going to give you the number that we can bleep out the okay nine mm-hmm. uh zero uh eight nine three. Nope, that's close
1: though. Oh,
0: wow, that's pretty close. I mean, that's amazing. I have not dialed that, that. I have not dialed that number since what? What year? Uh,
1: for like twenty five years.
0: I, and I almost got it right. Yeah, and, but I did get it right. Do but do you my remember number. my phone number? Which is still my yeah, parents' that, phone I mean, number. Yeah, that's easy.
1: I'm not gonna give say it to it. me. It's still your parents' phone number. I don't want them to have to beep anything out. It's too much work. You know that you know it though. Yeah, I'll definitely know it.
0: You want to call it right now?
1: Yeah, I call it all the time. Talk to your mom. Okay. We just we just we have a connection. <laughs> That's good. Me and uh, Mama mom, Di. Mama Di, we call her Diane. Right? Uh, but it's weird. It's I mean your parents are still together. It's it's weird having your first memories and growing up in a house where I know this guy's not my dad. He's just a stepdad who like I didn't have that much of a connection with him. It was like it. There was this feeling of, well you're not my real dad, you're just my stepdad, you're my mom's uh, husband, so we're not gonna be that tight,
0: you know? He still spanked you, though.
1: But he, he and, he, and he should have, and he needed to, the times that he did, he probably should have done it more than that, but we weren't that close, and it was this thing of, okay, I have a sister, but she's not really my sister, and I don't like her, and I don't like her even more, because I can, I have permission to like her even less, because she's not a real sister. Mm. And I don't have to really love Jimmy. I can just either like him or not or tolerate him. That's kind of what I grew up in. And that was, that's all I knew. But it was, I mean, I was certainly envious when I go to your house uh, as a youngster and like, oh, look at this happy family. There's two brothers who are real brothers and both the parents actually live there. And (laughs) They uh, they drink milk for dinner. We did. Is, we,
0: isn't that nice? We drink a lot of milk. That's why I'm six foot seven. And Kids. I remember
1: thinking, wow, well, I'm going over to a house where there's like an intact family. Like there was a sense of you. Were, you, you
0: thought you thought about that.
1: Yeah, and I was like, I guess if the parents are still together, you drink milk for dinner.
0: Well, and you know that never. And it, I hated milk. It never crossed my mind. I I never thought, like it. I never, I never was like. I wonder. This is kids don't think about this. I think kids nowadays think about this because they're more like in tune with what everyone's feeling. Because of the internet. But I definitely didn't think about that. I never thought that I wonder how Link feels about this. Does the fact that, you know, I have a, a dad and mom who live together how does this affect him? And I also did not ask the probably the more important question, which was, how does the fact that he lives with a stepdad affect him? I mean, we didn't even talk, you didn't even think about that, really. At
1: nine years old, you don't have have these type of uh, deep conversations. Matter of fact, you don't have them until you have an ear biscuit without a guest.
0: Well, but you know the sad thing, and you uh, you know this, uh, probably by the time when this ear biscuit comes out, my parents will not be in that house.
1: That is sad, because I have a lot of memories of... uh, of, uh, you know, being jealous of your family in that house. No, I, I wouldn't say. I, I, <laughs> They're I, moving on. My parents I, bought I a new house. I don't think that I was jealous. But, um, and Jimmy wasn't a bad guy. Remember, he built that fort oh, yeah. for me. And uh, really for us. Like, you were pretty much the only friend that came to
0: my house. And we would walk out I there. I went to a lot of people's houses. not Not to make you feel... Not to make you feel bad, I went to your house more than anybody's, but I was addicted to spending the night at people's houses i would there would I would meet a new kid at school, he would be there a week, and I would invite myself to spend the night with him. I don't understand why I was just like, "Hey, dude, can I spend the night at your house? Can I look in your refrigerator and see what your family's like
1: i I think it's a i mean it's a personality thing, but I also think it it may be a sense of security. I was absolutely terrified to stay at anybody else's house. I mean that one time that we had that sleepover at Adam Nicholson's house and he and he showed us Texas chainsaw massacre. Yeah. And then afterward we walked around in the dark in the woods in pitch black and we're like in fifth grade. Yeah. Like I was terrified, man. And then I opened his refrigerator and it was like, Wow, there's a lot of food all over the place in here. Yeah, the refrigerator was scary. I was my was refrigerator was, was very neat and very orderly and that made me secure as secure as i could be but i guess i was still i didn't have the security of 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 comfort of of uh to be able to leave home but we had that fort it was basically just you remember it was just two trees i remember it with two two by fours connecting between the two trees like eight feet in the air it was probably like five feet in the air but we just felt like it was really tall
0: well it was the kind of fort that you get you you get up there and then you sit there and you're like, well, what do we do now? And then you get down out Come of the fort. Come back down. Right? <laughs> because it's, but Jimmy made that. It for, was awesome to me. be out there for a few seconds.
1: Um, okay, I should ask you a question you at this point. Um, did you, or do you resent your dad? Yes.
0: No. Oh. No. <laughs> finish the question. <laughs> Let me
1: finish the question. Do you resent your dad for all the basketball drills he made you do? I I, I really want to know how you feel about that today. I know we've talked about the fact that your dad was basically the the impetus in in both of us going to engineering instead of going to film school, which by the time we were graduating from high school, that was the application of the blood oath, was let's go to film school at, at UNC Asheville. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, you need to do something sensible, Rhett. And I'm like, well, I'm, okay, I'll do that too. Um, but he wanted you to be a basketball player in college, and he made you do all these drills, like... How, how there were there was a span there when i couldn't you were like oh don't come over to hang out until i've done my drills so i'd have to wait 2 hours mhm how how much you were being groomed to be a basketball star well i, I for nothing do you hold that against your dad for nothing that's my question
0: <laughs> well then that was a statement for mo- for nothing question mark um you're not a basketball player i was one heck of a basketball player at one point though and I can still beat you. Well, first, first, before <laughs> you give me, at least
1: categor, characterize the amount of work that you put into it and, and how your dad was involved
0: in it. Yeah, that. okay. So, you know, uh, I was tall. That's a well-known fact. I still am. Uh, I was athletic. That's disputed at this point. But I was very athletic, played all, all kinds of sports, and was successful at them. And loved them and was very competitive. Still am competitive. But... Um, I, I wanted to succeed. I mean, I had an older brother, three years older than me, uh, two years older in, in age and three years in school, and we were very competitive. We played a lot of basketball. We were very, a very athletic family. My dad was very much into sports, and so we were too. Um, so as soon as I—I sh- was self-motivated. It, it, up to a certain extent, I was very self-motivated. Uh, eighth grade, I, I, you know, I wanted to be the basketball star. When we got to high school, all I could think about was getting onto the the JV team. By the end of my freshman year, I've been put on the varsity team to play in the the, the state playoffs. And I was, in, and I just thought, I mean, it had definitely been ingrained in me that, listen, like, you can be a basketball star. You can uh, pay for your college this way. And you got to understand that, you know, from a very young age, not only was I interested in basketball, but I was the ball boy one of the ball boys for Campbell basketball. I remember how much I was into Campbell basketball. Yeah. Went to every single game. I was the ball boy along with my brother and Brooks Lee and Michael Juby. And um, I wanted that really bad. It was like really important. So when high school rolls around and then it's just like, okay, now you've got to get good so that you can get recruited and play college basketball. My dad, my dad was not, he, he was, uh, he wasn't overbearing. It was, I mean, he, he has that kind of personality and people see that he, you go to a basketball game. My dad's there. He's going to yell at the ref. He's going to yell at the coach. He's going to yell at me if I'm on the court. I I don't know if something about my personality. I never, it never hit me until later in life that like that should have been embarrassing. Mm. Like to have your dad yell at you to do something differently from the stands in high school in front of everyone. Like most people would be embarrassed by that, but I was like, just pull Like pull your pants up. I was like looking at him. And then the coach would Coach Gage would have to tell me, he was like, Don't listen to your dad, listen to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And wow. I was just like, Oh, okay. I you know. So there But was, you didn't care. I didn't care. I wasn't embarrassed by it. And then he would be like, You need to you know, you need to do these drills. Uh, you need to do the three hundred shot drills. So I would do things where I would shoot three hundred shots a, a day. Uh, How
1: long does it take to Shoot three hundred shots. I I don't know.
0: Again, ball and I had ball handling drills. Uh, and and first of all, you gotta understand, I was actually I was very naturally talented and did a lot of work, but I didn't do nearly as much work as a as a guy who actually ends up being a great player does. But then but, he, he but got Rat, like the strength shoes.
1: Yeah. So Rat had a in his front yard. He was basically at the at the end of a dead end street, not really a cul de sac. But there were, you had your dad. Put a basketball goal out there, mm-hmm. and then so you would play on the street because it was the end of the street. But then I, I remember coming over there one day, and under the basketball goal there were three increasingly larger sized boxes. Boxes made out of plywood. Oh yeah, and and the and the, the pa- tall- painted
0: painted burgundy.
1: And the tallest one was like four and a half feet tall.
0: No, it was big enough to for a for a white man like me to jump up onto and from then, the ground.
1: I was like, right, what's this? And then he's like, Well, I it's my strength shoe boxes. And then you had these shoes. It it's shoes shoes that looked like the Starship Enterprise turned upside down. <laughs> yeah. It was a shoe, but then it had a platform built off of the, the foot toe of the balls of the feet.
0: But just the toe.
1: So that your heel was suspended in air and you were forced to only use the balls of your feet to run around. Yeah. Sounds like a torture device,
0: right? Well, and it was, supposed it was. to. it was supposed to increase your vertical... I couldn't jump, but I was tall and it didn't really matter. It was supposed to increase your vertical leap and your quickness and all these things. You know, my dad also had the big ball. You remember that? Yeah, a big basketball. It was a, a ball that was a few inches bigger than a normal basketball. And if you could shoot with the big ball, then you could shoot with the regular ball. You know, the interesting thing, sidebar, my dad is still into these devices. My dad is a prolific golfer he plays once a week and he's probably gonna he's gonna retire soon he's gonna play all the time and he wears strength shoes he has if you, you know you're watching tv and you see a, a a device a golfing device being sold my dad has that like every single thing that you can buy every contraption every driver it, he has all of it and every time i talk to him he's like i got the so-and-so and it's a thing that'll make you break your wrist in the right place and so, I see that going back, and i and I'm the same way, you know he's compulsive the look, gimmick, the gimmick, yeah, he's into the gimmicks, he's into the you know, things can being compulsive about that, and so am I, but the your question was, do I resent that? I because, don't because there were long hours,
1: I mean, you would have to wear the strength shoes and jump up on the box, jump down, jump up on the bigger box, jump down, jump up on the third big box, jump down. I mean, this is like it whenever I came to visit you, it was like, man, it's like going to a uh like a a torture camp, like Guantanamo.
0: I I, I honestly can say I, I don't resent it. I, <laughs> it, it, it here's, what, here's what happened. I worked pretty hard, a lot harder than most kids work at their sport, probably. And I was good at it. You know, I had a lot of success. I had the opportunity to play college basketball. I turned it down so we could go to NC State and be engineers. That's kind of a different story. But the The idea of being taught that no, you have to work hard, you have to practice, you have to devote X amount of hours to this if you're going to be better than everyone else at it. If you're going to be the best. Yeah. Because this isn't just some hobby, right? This is like, do you want to be the best at this? And I just think that's how, that's how my dad thinks and that's how he taught me to think. And so I think that the, the the long story is that we ended up getting and we started this band the wax paper dogs and we thought that we were going to be rock stars and that immediately d- took me off of the basketball track and I was yeah. like I don't want to do this
1: superseded the basketball aspirations
0: yeah cuz I was like you know I'm not going to be in the NBA I wasn't that good you know, I might go to like a lower level Division One college and and basically just be a basketball player. But I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to play music. And what is Link going to do? Because we wanted to go to the same school and the blood oath. Yeah, the blood oath. It all comes I mean, back to the blood oath. And, I, my, and my dad accepted that. And he and I know that he, it let him down a little bit because he wanted one of his kids to be a college athlete. I know that for a fact. And I had and my brother was very good at basketball too. And he could have played at a smaller school too, but he ended up going to Carolina. He wanted to. Um, you know, go to a, a good school and get a get a real degree, and so I ended up doing the kind of the same thing. And so I know that that was a disappointment, but he he never let me know it. He never said it. Ne- he never said anything when I decided, hey, I'm going to NC State. So no, I don't resent it. It wasn't overbearing. It was just he's he's an intense individual. But uh, I think I needed that.
1: I I remember kind of watching from the side well literally watching from the sidelines I was certainly was no basketball player um but not only that but watching from the sidelines of this whole drama of are you going to be a basketball player and we didn't talk about this blood oath thing when we're like juniors and seniors in high school it wasn't like man you can't be a basketball player because we, we signed a blood oath like a couple of years well, ago. But
0: we did talk about it a little bit because remember we went through that whole phase where we talked about UNC Asheville because I was being recruited by UNC oh, Asheville. Yeah, I re-
1: but I, I remember thinking that I, I just couldn't, it's not like I could make an argument to convince you that you shouldn't be a basketball player, you know? Uh, but I remember being nervous about it. It was like, well, you know, we had this kind of vision for... What we were going to do? And it was being threatened, but it was just something that I couldn't, I couldn't press.
0: But I also feel like when we made the decision to be engineers, um, we also kind of concurrently made the decision, I think, passively that this blood oath thing was probably just this like we're going to be friends forever. Yeah, it, I, I, because I think that it the practical really overpowered the dream. And we didn't have a lot of opportunity. It was like, well, we're not going to film school. That seemed like the only shot that we had at this. I'm not going to move to Los Angeles, you know? I'm not going to... Well, we didn't even talk about that. No, it It wasn't... Los Angeles didn't exist. We didn't know a person, a, a person who had ever moved to Los Angeles. I had moved from there as a child, but we didn't know anybody who moved there to do anything. Not one person. We never discussed it. Yeah, yeah. It was totally off the radar. So... I th- I just think we you know yeah
1: we, and as engineers it was the type of thing that yeah it was just okay yeah now we're just going to do this but we're still friends and,
0: yeah yeah and and, I, and listen I, I don't want to I also want to isolate this conversation to childhood in high school and I don't wanna, okay l- l- yeah. we, we, we can talk about the the career stuff sure let's let's move it back a little bit so you have another question I have for another me? question for you um, and that question is why did you care about school because let me premise that with. I cared about school because I was scared of my dad, as we've established. Loved my dad, respected my dad. I was fearful of my dad uh, because he did not put up with, you know, he didn't put up with uh, bad performance, including grades. And so it's just like I was always a straight A student, except for conduct. I had problems in conduct, but I got straight A's in the subjects. And if I made a B, it was a, it was a really big deal. You can't make a B in the McLaughlin household. That's a failure, right? So I, I carry that all the way through high school, all the way through college. And never made a C, always made a B. That was the worst I ever did. But you did exactly the same thing. Actually, probably were a, a slightly, definitely a better college student than I was and a slightly better uh, high school student. Why? What, why did you care?
1: I was just naturally smarter than you. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. I, I think I, I just felt like, and it wasn't this... Well, if you're going to do something, you got to do it to the best of your ability. It wasn't uh, an external um, value that I was taught. Um, but I think it, and I don't know that it, but on the other extreme, I don't know that it was kind of a people-pleasing thing, but it was like, well, okay... If I mean, I mean, I'm a student. I'm supposed to do the best that I can. I, I, it was just.
0: But if you had to brought home a C, it was just an approach. There was your mom would your your mom would have been disappointed, but that would be the end of it.
1: No, my mom was not a disciplinarian in in, in any in any way, really. I mean, uh, I was her only child, you know, and and. Uh, The only child she would ever have. I think that she had that sense. So, you know, I was the baby. It was, there was not a lot of discipline going on or, um, so she was not driving me to do it, but it was something that I've just always had that, uh, and I don't think it's a good thing, by the way, that I just felt like, well, okay, I'm just supposed to, I just, I have to be good at this. And I, so I don't, I don't even think I know. I think now there's
0: what were you scared of though, because I wasn't
1: scared of anything well, I would maybe just feeling like a failure. It's like if you don't do your best, you just feel like well, I just kind of like well if I'm going to do this i have to I have to really try. I wasn't trying to please anybody, so I don't know
0: what do you think? Well I got do you, you have a theory no, I don't i just it, it and i and it hit me recently.
1: Because
0: I know, because ex- I, I, like I said, I know exactly why I never slacked off. Right. I, I, there was My parents, both both my mom and my dad, they just instilled this fear. My mom used to say all the time, like even as we were going off to get ready to go to college, she was like, now you've gotten by with straight A's in high school just because you're smart. But when you go to college, everybody's smart and you're really going to have to work. So I remember that first semester, me and you roomed together and we just, Studied Our Killed freshman it. year, we just studied it. all the time. You know, 4.0 freshman year,
1: and... At a certain point, you realized that you didn't care that much, and it didn't matter to work less. Sophomore year. I never had that realization. Like, you'd be out, you and Greg, our roommate, you'd be out playing video games, and I would be studying for, like, four more hours because just a blind sense of obligation to, well, if you start it, you have to finish it and you have to do as good as you can. If you don't do the best that you can do, you're robbing yourself of something. Uh, I mean, maybe my Nana kind of taught me that if you're going to mow grass, don't don't just make sure all the grass is cut. Make sure it's cut the best it can be cut because I cut all her, her neighbor's yards. And that she said, don't half-ass anything. The only time I heard my Nana cuss as a kid was when she told me that.
0: <laughs> don't so, half-ass the grass.
1: Don't half-ass the grass is the only time I ever heard a cuss, uh, uh, as a kid. Now she's just, you know, she she's found she, she, she doesn't care and neither do I. <laughs> but I don't know that it, she instilled, instilled that. I think it, I think it was. I don't know. I don't know. It was just. I just. If I can't do it, I have to do it, and I'm going to be a failure if I don't.
0: No, mm. yeah, well, I did. Yeah, because it didn't hit me until by, by the, college. By college,
1: it was a. I got to make the best grades because that that links directly to getting a good job, and I've always been anxious about money. I don't think money was related to grades at a young age, though. Hmm. I should. I should give you another question. You should. Wasn't it weird watching horror movies with your mom? <laughs> I, I know that as a kid, she would like put on Hellraiser and watch it with you. But yeah, she would, and you've kind of talked about it as, "Isn't this funny?" And like you come from this like really conservative family, and but in this particular area, it. You, and that was kind of the joke that your mom literally, when you were in middle school. Watched Hellraiser with you. She would go and rent a video videos all the time, and then you you'd watch horror movies with her. Yeah, and well, and, and after that Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I've I, I I wouldn't watch a horror movie for until I graduated from college.
0: I think the, the deal with my mom is that she took the uh, the motion, motion picture associations uh, guidelines very 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 literally. It said parental guidance. You know. <laughs> uh... <laughs> So she guided you in front of the television right. to watch it with her. Yeah, yeah. As long as she was there. It's like, Hellraiser's not PG, dude. No, no. It's so, R. It's restricted. It says parents strongly cautioned. It says, you know, uh, children not permitted without their parents. But that means you are permitted with your parents. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: well, think what that's,
0: age were you when you saw Hellraiser with your mom? Middle school, man. And what was that experience like? Because, awesome. Because for me, that would have been I, the worst thing ever. I, I loved it then. I love it now. My mom, my mom is, this. you know my mom. She's the sweetest lady. She is, the, she is, first of all, she's the sweetest lady, but she's, she's still very conservative. And, but she has this. Part of her, which is... Dark side. No, no. She likes that kind of thing. And, and she she called me. She, t- she texted me yeah, a couple of months ago whenever this movie was in the theater. And she was like, I just watched Insidious 2 in a theater all by myself. <laughs> So you know she <laughs> she's this this
1: me, not me, not only meaning she didn't have a date like your your dad
0: didn't go with no, her. My mom goes to movies by herself, but there was no one else in the theater. She was the only one, and then it, and she said something like, "It was so scary, but I loved it." <laughs> so and I'm to, I totally relate to that. She 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 instilled that when we invited all of our friends over here for uh, my birthday to watch The Conjuring. Well, well that that's the point you want you had to get-together for your birthday, and that was the idea. It was to get a bunch of grown men together and to scare the crap out of them and watch them act like little children, and that's what they did. It was embarrassing. I was embarrassed for half of those, those guys. Now, I was scared out of my <laughs> mind, but I loved it. I don't know, it's just we it's, we like thrills like that in my family, and my mom has just always been like that. Was it weird? N- no, it was awesome. Did it affect me negatively? I don't know, I still like horror movies. But it turned out okay.
1: I went to my dad's I had visitation every other weekend and I and uh he pl- I remember he rented Lethal Weapon 2, which has a sex scene in it. And uh I guess by the time the sex scene came on, and I was like in third grade or something. And he didn't, you know, it was like he just let it roll.
0: Regular speed. Regular speed. I watched a lot of sex scenes in Fast Forward. <laughs> With your mom. A lot of really quick thrusting.
1: Yeah, oh gosh, because that's horror movies. There's gotta be the sex scene. Lethal Weapon 2, I mean, it was was a great movie, but there's a sex scene that uh, I wouldn't recommend for any of my kids or a third grader.
0: Yeah, my my mom never let the sex scenes just live in their regular pace. That would have been wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But fast. Yeah, you had to get through it. So she, I mean, she... So you're... you're, She restricted me somewhat.
1: Your performance expectations now in marriage are
0: yeah, yeah. are to be very quick about I, it. I brought you thought a, a it was lot a re- of weird perspectives <laughs> into my marriage having seen only fast forward sex <laughs> <laughs> my my entire um, life. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's great. I was so embarrassed with that. I remember Um We didn't discuss it. I didn't tell my mom.
0: Now speaking of guilty pleasures, uh like horror movies, uh you now I I'm in the same boat, but I feel like you had a a special passion for it. Gangster rap. Um Tell me about your obsession with gangster rap and how that came about. Now, one of our first
1: videos on our YouTube channel was White Boys Visit Compton, which was a podcast. First, you'll see that it says Rhett and Link Cast, and uh, we released it on iTunes, and we started putting them on YouTube. That video, we give a little bit of this story, actually. I've, I haven't seen it in so long, I don't remember, but the the start of my love for rap music was... Your brother, Cole. Mm -hmm. Um, Cole was, it was so cool to go to your house because not only did we get to hang out and we were friends, but a guy who was four years older? Three. Three years older was there. I was like, okay, this guy's a, we're, we're, we're in eighth grade. He's a junior in high school, man. Yeah. And he would try to pin me against you. Like not physically, but like, I remember that he would say, "Okay, y- you'd say, I got the new, I got, I got the new DJ Jazzy Jeff tape," and he'd be like, "I got the new Young MC tape," and this is this is way back in the day, but and he would say, "Which link? Which one do you like better?" <laughs> and I'd be like, "Well, I got to pick whoever like who Cole likes better because he's older and he's cooler." You didn't think he was cool. Oh, well, I mean, he was a jerk. You would guys getting you would get in fights, and uh, I would just laugh and laugh and laugh. He would make you angry. Oh, in front of so he, he would make you angry in front of me just to embarrass you. Oh yeah. And then you and got I, and
0: I and I took the bait every time.
1: And you, I remember you got mad that one time, and you started chasing him. He ran in his room and, and slammed the door, and you threw your speed stick deodorant against the door, and it went everywhere like a firework. But you know
0: what he was saying at that moment? He was saying that I liked Melissa Hood. Oh, remember that Melissa Hood? She lived uh, in the neighborhood. Oh yeah, I remember. And uh, I not, nothing I,
1: wrong with liking Melissa Hood.
0: I didn't like her though. I mean, to the I'll, to this day, I'll throw deodorant at you if you tell me that I liked <laughs> Melissa Hood. No, but he he just would start it, and he would, and he kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And I remember you, the two of you ran. I I can vividly remember this. I had a good arm, and you got you you ran into his room, and I came into the top of the steps, and I and remember speed stick deodorant. And I threw it. It would have hit him between the eyeballs. If he didn't slam the door, he slammed the door, and it just blew up and all over white, the door. White, white everywhere.
1: Dust, particles everywhere. I was so mad. Um, but he liked gangster rap. Ice Tea. NWA, and and it was so off limits to listen to this stuff. Well, that's another
0: thing. Now My mom let's watch uh, horror movies with her, but she did not know, uh, she was ignorant about the gangster rap. She did not know what was being rapped about in my brother's room.
1: And I felt like it was so cool to come to your house and I felt like I was friends with a high schooler. I mean, I wasn't, but I had that illusion because if I took his side, you would be angry, and I would seem cool.
0: Mm-hmm. It was great. And, and this music was, everyone always thinks that things have gotten worse. I, 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 everyone thinks that things get, you know, there's moral degradation as time goes it on. It has not, no. it, That's not the case, okay? People have always been bad. People have always been good. Now, the music has not gotten any worse. I mean, may, maybe there's a little bit more mainstream. Well, acceptance. It was,
1: I mean, NW was very misogynistic, and it was very, I mean, and it was very brutal. I mean, it talking was about over the top g- gang gang violence, but also,
0: I mean, it was just it was out of the this worst world. songs
1: were they were explicitly sexual, misogynistic. It was, uh, I mean, there were a couple of songs that Cole felt so bad about that he. He taped over them on yeah, his yeah, yeah. on
0: his cassette. Tape. He had a little bit of a conscience.
1: And the first CD I ever saw was when that Cole bought of a rap of like Gang Star. and yeah. I was like, "This is so cool. One day I'll have a CD player." He
0: didn't. I, to his credit, he did not have two live crew. Yeah, that, he, he, he knew there was a line somewhere, <laughs> and if it was just like, "Okay, two live crew is just rapping about sex," that's that's it. So he's like, "Okay, I, you know, I'm not I'm not going to do that, but we can we can stick with the other stuff."
1: Um, We haven't gotten to any Twitter questions. Uh, Maybe we should move a little faster for these last ones. Random TV USA wanted me to ask you, uh, who was your best friend before Link? I I don't know the answer to this, actually. Do you Uh, remember anybody uh, in California? uh,
0: uh, That's a really good question. Um, I can honestly not tell you the first name of anyone from California. I was three, four, and five when we lived there. I'm sure that my, my mom could help me think of this, but no, no. no it,
1: Nobody do you remember? No. I mean, I, I grew up in, uh, my, my first best friend was Brad, this guy who I went to preschool with for years, and we, like, would dig holes in the driveway of... What's his last name? Uh, no. Camp, McDonald. Brad McDonald. Um, so we were, like, preschool buddies. It was just two of us. Loretta Kepas. She's, like, four foot, three inches tall. Woman. Um and then kindergarten Matthew Enzor, who we were friends with all through high school, yeah, was I thought he was the coolest guy because he could run almost as fast as Randolph Clegg, who was a black guy, and you weren't friends with black people when I was in kindergarten. I'm just, you know, that's just the way it was. So Randolph was the fastest guy. I wanted him to be my best friend, but he was black. So Matthew, the the fastest white guy, had to be my best and friend.
0: I, and I want to clarify, because I think that there's a lot of people who don't come from the same area in the same time that we came from. And it was a time when... Yeah, um,
1: save me <clears throat> if I've said anything yeah, offensive. Well, I,
0: I, I, I want to clarify that we come from a place where uh, there was, you know, systematic racism and... It was ugly. It, but it wasn't open. You know, by the right. time it was 1983, 1984 no one was saying any, we didn't hear people say racist things directly to people. We didn't hear white people talk directly to black people in a racist way.
1: But, Hardly ever. But they but, also didn't talk to each other. But, you would,
0: but, but white people would talk negatively about about black people and vice versa uh, within their own groups. And then you were friends with, with uh, people of other races. And really where we come from it was just white and black people. That was it. There were really very few Asian people, very few Hispanic people. But... You didn't hang out, and you weren't real friends. You didn't go to each other's homes and that kind of thing, and it was just the way it was. And we didn't know we didn't know any difference. So I'm just clarifying, there wasn't like you. Thank you for rescuing me. I,
1: I was I was no more racist than anyone else at the time, but I was I was brought up in that, and so I felt like okay, the coolest people are the people who can run the fastest. Because in recess every day, they we would have like student organized race foot races. Fastest people were the coolest people. I was nowhere near the fastest, so I just wanted to be friends with the fastest person or the fastest white person, because that and was that was, Matthew that was my Anzor. only option. Yeah, Matthew Enzor. Um, and then it was uh, first grade when the next year when when we met. So I had a couple of uh, best friends. Now Matthew Enzor's best friend was uh, Jr. I can't remember his last name right now. The blonde kid. So I knew that it was not reciprocated. I was not his best friend. He didn't so give I, it back. I was very frustrated. And and then when, you know, we were, I mean, I, w- I don't know that we were immediately best friends. We were we were very close friends, but I don't know if you'd apply that label until that we were best friends. Were we
0: really? I, I would say that um, we were as good of friends as I had at, yeah. th- at the time all through elementary school but I had these 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 friends that, I mean, really first and second grade, it was kind of like, you know, I, I had you and Tate Maddox and Michael Juby. Tate Maddox at the time, he, I mean, he was kind
1: of a tool. I mean, he wore duck head shorts with the shirt, his shirt tucked in.
0: But we thought- Nobody else did But that. we thought that was super cool. I did. He always had a girlfriend. Yeah. But, but then, I hated him but, for it. But then third grade, third grade is when Ben Greenwood moved into town and Ben became you know, we, me, and you, and him. Whereas, and there were, and there were probably times. And I think this relates to Lexi Poe's question from Twitter. She says, "Was there ever a point when you guys were kids that you thought your friendship might be over?" Hmm. Um, like a fight, no. But
1: in terms of, am I, am I not, am I a second best friend now? Yes. Yeah. So,
0: so two, so two part question. The first one, uh, there was definitely a time in which I thought that Ben was my best friend. I'd say like fourth fifth grade. We lived closer together. We spent more time together. Um, the three of us were together almost all the time, but then there was also a year in their fourth grade and fifth grade, which we were in different classes. Right. So Ben I would, was in my class.
1: And I would I would go over and hang out with you guys at Ben's house or at your house, and you would, you would report to me all the things you had done over the past two weeks when I wasn't hanging out with you. We found this weed... That is hollow in the middle, and we've decided to smoke it, and we're calling it the Big George. Now, they did did not put anything in it. It was just like... It was
0: just an actual weed. It wasn't weed. It was was, an... And weed, a weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: and you would lit it on fire, and you simulated smoking it like a cigarette. You had no clue what you were doing. You didn't even know what marijuana was, certainly. It, was it was horrible, though. But, but it was a weed, and you called it the Big George. Mm-hmm. And you would build lean-tos, and Ben had all these ideas. And I remember feeling threatened then that, oh, yeah, he, they're, they're best friends. I'm on the fringe. I live across town.
0: You lived across town, and you were in a different class. But I never thought that a like friendship... Like, not
1: social class, like a, like a, liter- you were a, a different you, teacher.
0: You were in a lower class. You lived <laughs> in a smaller house. No. Uh, yeah, a different teacher. And, and I don't know how they do it uh, in eighth grade, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade these days, but the way we did it is you were in the same class all day. Well, no, it's for sixth grade. But starting seventh, eighth grade, we did have different classes, different teachers.
1: I, at this point in the... I'm just gonna, like, come back to the reality of the Ear Biscuit here. And at this point, I'm thinking... All of a sudden, we've lost our, I feel like I've lost myself in our past, and I have no clue
0: how this feels to
1: anyone listening. Like, I feel like, uh, oh, Red Link, come back to us. You're well,
0: reminiscing about your past. But that's why it's experimental. I mean, this is why we, this is why we tried it. Is this Th- going, I have no clue why how this is going. This is we want going. to know how you, how you feel about it, and if you want us to continue to do this kind of thing. But let me this, answer the this, second part of the question. Oh, okay. Was there a point when you were kids that you thought that your friendship might be over? Um, I would say, that there were times, and you've relayed this to me before, uh, which I think is also a question that you might have for me uh, about girls. I have a question for you about girls. I do, yeah. Um, and that is that I had, I was very obsessive about women, and fix would go from one girl to the next, fixated on a girl, whether she well, reciprocated I, I, yeah, or not. I, I,
1: yeah. So what's your question? Because I want to, I don't want to go too far.
0: Well, so well, well, my it's not really a question. I'm saying that there were times in which because of a girlfriend, I was so into a girl that yeah, I kind of forgot about you for a
1: while. Oh, I mean, that certainly happened, but I didn't feel threatened as a best friend because it wasn't another friend; it was a girlfriend. That's a different thing. Uh, I, I kind of feel like I, I, de- I definitely had the question I wanted to ask you: Why did you think? Why do you think you were so obsessive about girls? I almost don't want to ask it now because I feel like. Uh, when we want to keep the podcast to a certain length, that I think there's some good stuff to unpack if, oh. if we decide this is a good thing Ooh, to do. We
0: can wait for that. We can do the relational, the girl stuff there because there's a lot of girl stuff. Oh,
1: a lot of really good girl stuff. I mean, you know, sharing first girlfriend, sharing first kiss, uh, like your obsession with girls and okay. my, my fear of girls. That's I, what I, they I, call
0: a teaser link. That's l- good. Let's
1: make that another podcast. Um, not, not that we have to end it right now. I'm trying to see if. I'm looking through these Twitter questions to see if there's another one. I feel like this is kind of part therapy, like couples therapy. Like mm-hmm. what's happening here? Maybe a little bit of that. Do, are you, do you feel like you're getting an appreciation of our friendship? I, it's so easy to lose sight of how long we've been friends because you just get into the grind of what are we going to accomplish or what do we have to do this week or this month or
0: well, where are we going? I, I, no, I, I think I am gaining appreci- appreciation of it finally. I do think it is a little bit like, not that I didn't appreciate it, I think it is a little bit like counseling without without a mediator. I do, if unless you call the mythical beasts who are listening, the Ear ears the mediator, which is a weird way to think about it. Well, I them.
1: sense their presence.
0: Um, but I do, I, I think this is a good question to close with, and this is a question that we used um, as a teaser over and over again on Good Mythical Morning, season three, I guess it was, when we would, on our question episodes, we would say, did you do this, do you do that? And did you ever have you ever punched each other in the face? And we never answer the question. Did somebody ask that? So Deal Biz on Twitter, uh, who's followed us for a while, says, Have you ever punched each other in the face? Hashtag throwbackThursday. He's been a fan for a while, so he knows that this is something that we used all the time as a teaser on Good Mythical Morning. So let's just close by answering that question. Have we ever punched each other in the face? No. We haven't. <laughs> okay, so that's it. We haven't. But I but I will say I
1: and I Have have you ever reared back your fist at me? I mean, you you
0: were throwing the deodorant at me and Cole. That was because Cole was involved. And I think that's the point I wanted to make. And that is, as children, as children, I don't think we were even ever even close to being on the verge of a physical altercation with one another. And And I think that Here's my theory. Okay, now, I, I have a theory, and and but I think that now, in current, our friendship is much deeper, much more complex, <laughs> stronger than it than it was when we were twelve years old. But the nature of our, you know, the nature of our friendship and the nature of our business, the nature of this being in this creative endeavor together, there are times when we get very mad at one another. And there are a couple of times where we've gotten really mad at each other. I'd say in the, it, probably ten times in the past ten years where it's crossed my mind that we might be about to get into a fist fight, like we might be a, like we, th- that might happen like really. Yeah, where we've been so mad at each other that it—it's crossed my mind that like it wouldn't be totally out of the question right now if one of us punched the other.
1: But is it? But are you really thinking it wouldn't be out of the question if Link punched me at this moment? Is that really what you think?
0: Yeah, you because I, 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 I feel I I don't I feel like you get madder than I do.
1: Right, I feel like you think I would never punch him, but sometimes I just don't know. He just might go loose cannon on me.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm like he's a lot madder than I than I thought that he was right now. And I'm, what I'm going to say is that when you were a child, before you became a man, uh, that never happened. Like you you never had that in you. You never had this. You never had this. Like I might punch you right now. I'm so mad. I'm going to punch you. You never had that. That was something that like began to emerge like after college. I think.
1: As a kid, I remember getting so angry at certain things that my mom uh, floated the idea
0: that what if
1: what if you got a pillow that when you got angry you
0: would punch it? <laughs>
1: like I remember that, and it's that was very
0: unsatisfying. I
1: think that was going into like dealing with puberty, but I do remember her making that suggestion. Hormones, you know, hormones going crazy, puberty going nuts—no pun intended—but. Uh I actually tried it. I went to my room and I punched my bed. And I don't remember it helping.
0: Uh-uh.
1: But it, but it didn't play out in um uh, in our friendship. Uh we didn't really fight.
0: I don't think we argued.
1: No, I mean, what was there to argue about? I mean, there's it, we got stuff to argue about every 30 minutes now cuz we're creating things. And there's right. a, you you have uh, cre- creation uh requires opinions and uh we're not always going to share the same perspective on things.
0: Um, well, I think we've learned to accept that... Uh, not that we couldn't do a better job of this, but in general, the, create, the creative process, there, for us, there's there's a give and take, and there's a, like, let's throw this idea back and forth. Sometimes, like, throw it pretty hard back and forth until it shakes out into what it should be. Well, I also think that's another
1: conversation, is the whole... Creative process, the fact that there is a lot of conflict involved in it. So that now nobody we've sees got
0: three special episodes if uh-huh. you count this one. Then we've got the girl episode and then we've got the creative process.
1: Unless this is a fail. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm open to that. All right. I'm open to that. Maybe I, it was. But I think it was good for us. But this is if a, no one else hears this, I think it was good for us to have some perspective on our on our friendship
0: that Oh, this one's going out. Oh this you think? One, oh yeah. This one's going out. Are you
1: going to tell them that we we recorded er, a one earlier that never went out? Is that what you're implying? Mm, uh, Because I think I just accidentally told them that we already tried this and it didn't work.
0: We we tried this and it was a totally different format. We didn't like the way it turned out. Okay, there, we admitted it. (laughs) Maybe it'll be like on some secret channel at some point.
1: Yeah, it'll be, uh, yeah, one day we'll exploit it when we can
0: make an we'll it for $5 <laughs> from a, from a website and you'll be severely a website disappointed created by our sponsor of this episode squarespace.com no, you didn't <laughs> really well you did you're doing this i wanted okay. to, i wanted to transition to an outro and then i thought about our sponsor <laughs> again and just thought well i'm going to make it natural and then you screwed it up
1: okay I, i'll go there with you make your own website it's easy it's going to look good square squarespace <laughs> Don't go to SpaceSquare.com. Yeah, go to Squarespace. Um, Actually, I don't think it exists. So you can go to Squarespace.com. They'll help you set up a domain for SpaceSquare.com, and that can be your website.
0: (laughs) That's confusing. It could be anything you want it to be, and just remember, you get a free trial without a credit card, but then if you decide to do it, you get 10% off if you use the code that helps us, R&L. Ho- are you still doing the plug? No, no, I'm moving on. Okay, you're moving back to, like, we were in this, like, heartfelt moment of, that's, and then hey. you are like, in the middle, that's the story of our lives Dale. Yeah, it is, man. <laughs> hey, listen, I got, you know, we got to pay for this. <laughs> wow. I mean, you that know?
1: that is so
0: pristinely <laughs> where we are professionally and personally. it's It's Ugh. just mashed, it's all mashed together. Listen, I would sponsor my face if I could. <laughs> <laughs> what? I, what?
1: What? Do, what? What does that I,
0: mean? <laughs> I could. Uh, I'm just kidding, man. You, just okay, kidding. I did sponsor my that. hair, though. If
1: somebody would buy your face, <laughs> you would.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't tattoo it. This is maybe like a like a shaving company or
1: something. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, we've gone from uh, from. Heartfelt hmm. introspection to blatant commercialization. Okay, let's go back. To, no, no, we don't have to go back to Crazy Town. What are you talking about? But <laughs> w- 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 sponsoring your face, like your face is a your face is a show.
0: It could be a bil- no. Like your like a face billboard, is a brand. A billboard.
1: You you mean sell your face with ad space? That's yeah, what yeah, you yeah, meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: You mean people will do this by the way. You you talk at me like I'm crazy. But <laughs> talk at you. you know, it, it, you, we've got this Google Glass thing that's happening. Well, that's going to keep happening and then th- they're going to start looking cool and then there's gonna be a button that you press on the side of them, and a message comes up on your glasses for other people. Billboard face. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be like square space. Well, square will be in one lens, and space will be in the other other lens. Or if you if
1: you buy that URL, then space square, if you're selling stuff. Or yeah, if, yeah, yeah. If you're selling squares in
0: space. You could probably hit a button and switch them. And you, if, well. And what I'm saying is, if I believe in the brand, and it'll help us keep doing what we're doing, I'll do it. You'll I'll do it. I'll put do it, it for on, you. You put it on glasses. I'll put it on anything. I will not permanently tattoo it to my body. I will only do that with my wife's name, which I did, and uh, you also did.
1: Uh, for the right brand, I would tattoo my other butt cheek with the brand, but I would do it smaller than my wife's name, or mm. I would compens- I would make my wife's name bigger because that would not fly at home when I drop trout. And next time, and it's like, well, d- what's the
0: price tag on that? Black
1: and Decker is just as big as my name. <laughs>
0: what's the price seriously what's the price tag for a butt tattoo well I can't answer
1: that because if I answer that it gives people a window into how much we get for sponsorship anyway and I'm not
0: comfortable yeah yeah we can't disclose that
1: I'm not comfortable giving people any point of reference for how much money we do or don't make
0: I won't say I won't say how much I'm willing to get paid but I will throw it out there that if you want my butt cheek (laughs) I'm willing to get that sponsored too (laughs) no
1: one will see it do you realize the irony in this?
0: No, no. But What are you will, talking about
1: your butt cheek? Nobody will, sees
0: it. Well, my wife does. My wife. Gonna, they're going to pay
1: to advertise to your wife? My
0: wife will buy whatever it is that's being advertised on my butt.
1: And since when has she looked at your butt? I'm, I'm, Every morning. No, she. I sleep in the she, nude.
0: You think. I sleep in the nude. And Why we,
1: is this happening?
0: And we have a mirror. And I, by whole, this, I mean us discussing it. A, one whole half of our bedroom wall is a mirror. So if she doesn't see it when I get up, she sees it when I turn around. The,
1: can can we put this vehicle in reverse?
0: <laughs> you asked about what it would take, what the effectiveness would be of me getting my butt tattooed with a sponsor. Black, you mentioned Black and Decker. I don't know if they're <laughs> <laughs> they're available.
1: I don't know why. I, it, I don't know why I mentioned Black and Decker
0: because <laughs> that would take I would take two butt cheeks. cheeks, right? Yeah, you put black on your cheek and I put and Decker on mine. Oh, <laughs> you can just put Decker. We can we can hold the ampersand between us. <laughs> Okay.
1: What is this about tattooing on butt cheeks that is something yeah. that comes out of your psyche? Because
0: we did it. Because you did it. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it actually yesterday. I don't see it often, but every once in a while I'm like, oh yeah, I do have a tattoo. It's of my wife's name, and it's on my butt. That's cool. That's. I mean, I don't regret it. There's never never a day that goes by that I regret it. It's unlike you know a face tattoo or a neck tattoo. This is a butt tattoo. This is a different ballgame.
1: I've never regretted it either. Yeah. I would. Uh, I've never thought about adding to it either, though, or adding any type. of I thought of about getting
0: it underlined for Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, okay, because it's minimal investment.
0: Yes, yeah, like it's just a line. What did you get me for Valentine's Day? I got I, you this
1: line of I, ink. I
0: underlined your name.
1: So it's like every year. Then there's an expectation that next year I put it in quotes.
0: Oh God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's condescending. It's like oh yeah. No, no. I mean like
0: my wife I'm using Jessing. it like they use it on billboards and stuff that they don't understand. They use quotes for emphasis. I'm using it in that colloquial sense.
1: No, I think that the expectation would be okay, do you underline it again? Did you double underline I it? I could this keep year? keep underlining it. And then it would just it could become like uh all of a sudden it's on a
0: pedestal. I could probably underline it for the rest of our marriage if the lines are small enough.
1: Like, I think it should be like a pedestal.
0: Yeah, it's just a little
1: line that if we stay married. This is the long best enough, idea I've
0: had all week, by the way.
1: If we stay married long enough, there's gonna there's gonna be a pedestal going down my right leg that holds up your name on my
0: butt <laughs> it's cheek. Like, what is that tattoo? Well, it kind of it leads to my wife's name on my butt cheek. Yeah.
1: Or you That's could good. you could do like puffy letters. You could
0: I mean it's it's like cursive. I don't think you could do that at this point. Without screwing it up, but I can put a drop shadow on it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This year, I gave you a drop shadow. (laughs) It's like, I mean, there's something to that because there's a chat, there's a creative challenge that I that resonates with me. Yeah. That every Valentine's Day, what do you? Well, you did the underline. You did. You can't make it italics. Once it's no cursive. Yeah. Once it's done, you can't. You can drop shadow it. You can quote it. You can underline it.
0: I think we should end this. Put a, I mean, put I, a balloon around it? I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not going to say I don't trust Alex or Stevie in order to, to make the editorial decision, but I'm saying I think I want an easy letdown. I think we, we just took that tattoo as far as we could, and and now we can just say that, you know, again, want to remind you of a couple of things. Number one, if you liked this, let us know. Number two, uh, it helps us a lot when you go to iTunes and you rate our podcast, you leave a review, have Wrong. you ever
1: seen those reviews where not reviews tattoos? You said review where they like make a whole arm sleeve totally ink, or like the guy for Raging Against the Machine, his whole left peck is ink, like solid ink.
0: It's when they mess something
1: up. They just make it total ink. Like yeah. I could make everything on my right butt chink total ink, except for Your her chink you said ding, butt <laughs> except chink, for, except, except for her her name. So it would, be like a, it would be like a dark room with a spotlight on her name is what it would be. Try that. See how that feels. It'll t- well, it's going to take time because I'm going to do it by underlining her name.
0: You, I'm going to circle her name every year. You squealed so much when that happened. <laughs> I can't imagine you getting the whole butt cheek done.